Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople, today it is my great pleasure to welcome Aaron Matherin to the show. Welcome, Aaron. Hi, glad to be here. Aaron is the region sales leader for enterprise major accounts at LinkedIn. And today we are going to talk about a lot of things as we always do. Our main topic will be about burnout, but I discovered something super cool when I was looking at Aaron's LinkedIn profile to prep for this, which is that we both went to the same business school. Aaron, usually I ask about books or I ask about things you sold or hobbies, things like that. But what I'd love to hear is what was your favorite class at the University of Chicago Booth School? Oh, it's really great to meet another Booth slash GSB alum. Uh, my favorite course, hands down, at University of Chicago was New Venture Strategy, taught by Jim Schrager, which uh, cost me a lot of bidding points to get to that course. Um, but really enjoyed it. it. It's really gives you a lot of perspective around business and how business leaders think about growth and strategy. And um, I actually recently attended like a, one of those back to booth courses that he hosted with his TA team. And it was really just great to get back into that thought around strategy. Um, I am often asked, as I'm sure you are, should salespeople and or sales leaders go to business school? What's your take on that? You know, it is a, an interesting question. I've actually had, um, I wouldn't call it debates, but dialogues with individuals because it, you know, it's a very polarizing thought about it. You know, um, my personal perspective is that, you know, as I was creating options for myself in my career, the MBA was critical in that. We are um, within Sales Solutions, the business unit that I'm in, really focused on empowering and enabling sales teams. But the reality is that there are still a lot of people that have a stereotype, a mental block around what it is to be a salesperson, and they do not consider it to be a skill. They think you're just a person that talks really well to people and makes a lot of friends, and you're an extrovert. And it, it is uh, maddening sometimes, but for me, it was really important to cut my chops and get that MBA. I also feel that it really allows me to fully put myself in the customer's shoes. So when I'm having conversations with executives and talking to them about their business and they're throwing out different details about their strategy, it becomes more of a business consultant conversation that leads to a sales conversation. And that's just like a different way to think. And you being a Chicago Booth alum, you know that it's always about challenge everything. So that thinking and that mindset really was critical in the MBA. The other piece of it is relationships, right? So I work for a company that's about relationships at scale and our, our members. Um, and so that's the key and crux. And so I see an MBA also as access to relationships and connections across a lot of different industries that I may or may not have had access to. You know, I had peers that traveled internationally that came over that, you know, less we went to business school together, I never would have met these people in a circle of life. And so that has been critical for me as I have progressed in my career to be able to trap into people in different industries. So I highly recommend it. You know, is it going to increase your money in the sales profession? Maybe not. I don't know. But I think it definitely is critical as you move up the ranks and if you want to be a leader in sales. When I reached out to you to have you as a guest on the podcast, you had a topic like right off the bat, and not everyone does. Why is burnout so top of mind for you right now? It's just a, a stressful time to be alive, to be honest. And I wouldn't say that salespeople have more pressure than everyone else, but there is a certain type of wiring that salespeople have that I think makes them more inclined to burnout and have stress than maybe some others. Uh, there was a recent study that Glint did. Glint obviously is owned by LinkedIn. They're part of our family and our fold. 
Uh, they did an employee well-being report recently. It was released in, in February, and it showed that burnout continues to be on the rise. So it is top of the charts for everyone. Um, and I would assert, and I'll give you some, some details later as to why I think for salespeople acutely, it's even more of a challenge. Not only is sales a tough job in general because you have to face rejection so often. If it's new business, you may not win the business. If it's a renewal, you may not get the upsell or you may, you know, worst case, lose the customer and have a non-renewal. Even myself, right, as I used to have this separation before COVID that I would hop on the bus or the train and go out to cocktails or go out to lunch or dinner or what have you. Are those the factors that you think are weighing on reps or are there additional factors that are you know, making it even harder for sales reps? I think there are a number of factors. I mean, the one that you share definitely is real. I would say, you know, as I go back to like how people are wired, when I was at University of Chicago, one of the courses that I helped to facilitate was around Myers-Briggs. There was this concept of introverts and extroverts. And a lot of times salespeople are extroverts. Extroverts get their energy from others. Introverts get their energy more like internally or self-reflection, and that's how they rebuild. And so if you get your energy from interacting with others, if you can't interact directly with your customers and you can't interact directly with your colleagues, it actually weighs on you. It's actually like a form of stress and you lose energy. So that's that's like one thing that I think is happening with salespeople acutely, some of them, not all of them. The other thing is uh, you mentioned your commute time. That was a lot of time for people to reflect and to do learning and do training and meditate and just kind of gather their thoughts before they got right into the work. And with the absence of a commute, myself included, right, I get my food, I get my breakfast, get my water, and I come sit down. There's no buffer in between. You move transition from the, the stresses of figuring out a family life to working. So that can be really challenging. And so I've encouraged people on my team to go out for walks during the day. You know, do that run if you do it. Take time off to do the Peloton. If you don't need to speak on a conference call, you don't need to be on video, like do what you need to do for yourself to kind of relax. Um, so that's one thing. The other really elephant in the virtual room is that salespeople had to change the way that they worked overnight. There was no ramp up. There was no ease into it. It was turn the lights off, turn the lights on. You need to sell differently. And I'm blessed in that at LinkedIn, the business unit that I sell in, we've been focused on virtual selling and really building trust and relationships at scale through LinkedIn Sales Navigator. But a lot of sales reps weren't prepared for that. They were used to getting on planes and shaking hands and closing deals face to face. And that was critical to the way that they closed business. And all of a sudden, the rug was pulled from under them with no warning. And so those people had still quotas to fill. Their numbers probably didn't decrease and they had to pivot and figure out how to do their job differently, which is highly stressful and I think led to some burnout. Just to rewind a little bit, you're mentioning some of the things that you encourage your team to do, go take walks, take a break, go run, meditate, and so on. Early on last year, there was a lot of effort to have group activities like via Zoom I have found at SalesLoft that those didn't really persist. People just actually wanted their their alone time or their personal time. For LinkedIn, have you guys continued to do sort of group relaxation? And what stuck, if anything? It depends, right? And so part of, I think, being a really strong leader is situational leadership. And so you, you ebb and flow early on in the pandemic because we are used to a very in-office culture that people craved connecting with their colleagues. And the only way for us to do that was, you know, over Microsoft Teams or over Zoom. And so people wanted that. As it started progressing and you were doing it now as your regular work and you're on for hours and hours, you know, people kind of got over that, right? And so I encourage people individually to do what they need to do to rest and recharge. And then I give options, right? Sometimes for my team meeting, instead of focusing on business, we just focus on 
something social or something relaxing. I had within LinkedIn, we have a mindfulness group. And so I had an individual come to my team meeting and we just focused on meditation and practices for managing stress. And I took that time. I mean, yeah, I could have been talking about numbers and business and focus, but you know, what the heck? So I try to balance it, right? I find existing times that are already scheduled for maybe some of that group stuff. I ask people what they want to do for social things to make sure that it works. And then I make sure that we balance on not taking off too many people's personal time because I manage a team that's across two different time zones. And so I have to just be sensitive to that. As a team leader, do you actively monitor how many days your folks have taken off? And if someone's not taking enough vacation, say like, get off your computer, shut it down go hide in your backyard or whatever it is, like do you, for, not force is the wrong word, but do you strongly encourage them to take a break? I do certainly strongly encourage people to take breaks. Um, we have a great fortune within LinkedIn where we actually have created no meeting days for certain days out of the month. So it's like one Friday out of the month where it's like officially no meet, internal meeting day. So that that's definitely an opportunity. The other is um, we have within our culture called end days and end days are generally themed. Um, we have one actually this Friday, which is called giving end day. We have just different themes throughout the year once a month. And so those are a choose your own adventure day. And so if individuals want to not work and do something um, that is reflective of whatever giving in day or community in day is reflecting for them, they are empowered to do that. So that's an opportunity. As it relates to vacation, I lead by example. So I take time off. I'll tell you that as things were heating up around the Black Lives Matter movement, for me as a Black woman, there was a lot going on. There were many days where I was like, hey team, I'm taking a day. DTO for Aaron. I need to like focus, recharge, and I will be back for you and down for you next week, but I'm off today. Leading by that example was helpful for people because it's like stressful times. I do also check in with people. I don't monitor, but I do check in with people if they haven't taken days off. I'm like, hey, so now your kids have spring break. When are you planning your vacation? What are you going to do? And when people respond back, well, I can't go anywhere. It's not really worth doing. You can do a staycation. I love staycations. I've done that before and I've shared with people, you just don't know how much rest and refreshment you'll get from those vacations until you take it. So I have a number of people in my team that are taking that time off and I want people to feel empowered to do that. You know, it doesn't help anyone if people burn the candle at both ends. We also have the no meeting days and I, I deeply appreciate those. But if you're a salesperson, do you really get to take to sort of recharge your brain, learn? Sometimes it's a little bit of a catch 22 because then, you know, things get moved around and it can be challenging. But I would say, you know, similar to what I said about going to business school, it's all about choice. When you're empowered in your schedule, there's like a feeling that comes with that. The way that I interpret the no meeting, it's no internal meeting day. So I won't be scheduling a team meeting. I won't be like, hey, let's do forecast or anything like that. If people want to catch up one to one, great. If they want to talk to customers, you're empowered to do that. But you won't have things forced down upon you, but it does free you up. Uh, you mentioned uh, that you're a woman of color and that the Black Lives Matter, I don't even want to call it movement, just the consciousness, the public consciousness that that rightfully erupted this year would affect you, and logically so. I'm going to pull out a statistic which horrified me when I pulled it about a year ago. So I look at a lot of email data science, and I looked at the response rate to people with quote-unquote stereotypically Black names, right? The way we did it was we looked at census data, and if 90% plus of a name fell into a particular ethnicity, then we classified people as that ethnicity. And we found that reply rates to black senders were 13% lower than reply rates to white senders. 
it's shocking, but not surprising. Everything else is the same, right? The subject lines are the same, like everything else, because you're looking at millions of millions and millions, tens of millions of emails. Everything else is the same. As a seller, did you feel that? Did you sense that? And even with your team, as you have diverse members of your team, do you sense that there is like this 13% disadvantage that you have going into the game? I mean, I'm really glad that you opened that up and that we're we're going into that topic. It's real that, you know, when you think about what individuals have to get past just to get to their regular day, it's alarming. It's not that people of color, Black individuals, or for that matter, Asian individuals that are now experiencing a high intolerable discrimination, hate. It makes me sick to think about it. Adding that stress to an already stressful occupation is very challenging. As a leader of diverse teams, I open up the dialogue for people to talk about that. You know, I did an exercise recently with my team where we all shared stories um, of the first time I realized I was different was. And so I sent those videos to individuals in advance and said, hey, just pick one. There's a lot here. Just pick one and listen to it. And I found that people realizing that we're all different in certain ways, but you realize that that stress and that feeling of disconnection is real. And if you think about sales, it's about connecting with people and building trust. And if people just don't trust you because of your name or you think that they're going to not buy from you because you have to turn your video on and you're black or you're thinking about what your hair looks like or whatever different types of things, it adds a level of stress that other people don't have to deal with. And it's exhausting. So those were some of those days. I don't have a, a, I would say, traditionally ethnic first name. So one might not know that I was Black initially as I email you or send stuff out. But I am definitely conscious of that experience. And it's real. And I think sales managers, I encourage you to talk with your teams who are diverse, right? It could be gender, race, sexual orientation, et cetera, um, to make sure you're across it and you can understand that. And you can intervene if it's a situation where your person isn't set up for success because of things beyond their control. Yeah, we came to an interesting realization at SalesLoft. We had this requirement that our SDRs for a period of time were required to use video prospecting, right? In the, it was, I think we did it in the second email. And we had some objections from our, you know, certain people in our staff, particularly black women, because they found that their reply rate to their videos were much lower. So like that discrimination transcends just the names. It is absolutely, you know, the sensitivity around around video just from talking to people that I, I work with across the industry who have those names where 90% of them fit into a particular ethnic category. They wonder whether they should use a different name at work. And I feel fortunate to not have to work worry about that, right? And and that's a tough choice, right? Because you don't want to deny who you are in your cultural identity, but at the same time, you got to put food on the table and it's a tough, it's, uh, I don't think there's an easy answer. I wanted to, to turn back to LinkedIn for a second. We don't usually talk product and, and you did not set me up for this, but, but there is a buzz happening in the RevOps world where I live around this new thing called uh, LinkedIn Sales Insights. I think that's what it's called, LSI. Can you just like walk through what, what that is with, in a not overly salesy way, but I think folks need to know about what LSI is. So for a number of years, uh, LinkedIn Sales Solutions, the division that I work for, has been targeting salespeople, sales leaders, um, and anyone really that is focused on making sales teams successful. 
Sales ops hasn't necessarily been our target. Sometimes they're involved in our decisions and our pursuits, but we had not specifically targeted them at all as someone that we wanted to kind of uplift their profession and add to what they have available. LinkedIn Sales Insights is our opportunity to really create a mirroring between sales operations and the sales team that creates more of a strategic partnership versus a tactical partnership. So what LinkedIn Sales Insights does specifically is it takes in the sales information that we get from Sales Navigator and puts it in a very customized way for sales operations so that they can create more smart territories. They're leading with insights and really putting their sales teams targeted in the areas where there's the most opportunity for growth. It layers on then that really critical aspect of relationships, relationships and connections that you get from Sales Navigator and gives you that data. So imagine if you are a sales leader and you're thinking about like an account-based marketing strategy or you're thinking about your enterprise team and you're like, you know, where should we focus our attention? Where are our biggest bets? The LinkedIn Sales Insights tool provides your sales operations team a lot of really easy to use technology to say, this is where we see growth. Here's where we see people are hiring. And then, oh, by the way, here's where your sales reps and your individuals within your company are connected within this organization that will allow you to maybe move that buying sales cycle more quickly. I think it also allows the sales operations team to be more empowered to sit at the table with sales teams and to be strategic and not just be, you know, sometimes considered in the back office and just running spreadsheets and they're, you know, just providing tactical ad hoc things. They are a strategic partner, but if you provide them the right information, that marries the two together. The standout piece around LinkedIn Sales Insights is that it's powered by the LinkedIn data, and that's updated by members directly. And so there are other places where you can get, you know, enhancement data for CRM, et cetera. But that's generally like third party, kind of gone through a lot of different iterations before you get it, whereas the LinkedIn data is real time. And so you can trust it and, you know, it's always going to be updated. That's really, really standout. I'm always curious to learn, especially for folks who work at larger enterprises, what are some of the, without sort of giving away too much of the secret sauce, what are some of the internal tools and processes that you rely on to lead your team? So LinkedIn Sales Navigator. We are owned by Microsoft. You know, Dynamics CRM is something that we uh, currently have a joint SKU with LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Uh, So that is definitely something we talk with customers about. Outlook from a productivity tool perspective is something as well as Microsoft Teams from a communication perspective. We had talked earlier about tools for engaging in virtual conferences. We have the option of Microsoft Team. And then depending on the team, there is the empowerment of those sales leaders to select. In addition to the third-party tools that you guys use, I'm, wor- I'm wondering if there's any internally built tools that you guys use to identify accounts that are at risk, accounts that are have a great upgrade potential. How, how do you tackle that account identification? Yeah. So in terms of accounts, the good news is that we have access to a ton of data, which we provide LinkedIn sales insights to external customers, but we actually obviously have that information for our sales teams. And so we leverage that to inform our territory strategy and really to empower our sales ops teams to really be strategic partners to our sellers. So I would say that would be the most important. There's probably a lot of other tools and widgets and things that our business operations team has created. I'm not privy to those, just that sales insights information, our internal version is, is the biggest piece. Well, it's great that you get to, to drink your own champagne there. I assume that you guys are constantly expanding and you're probably personally hiring, uh, I don't know, both in San Francisco and in Chicago, or are you now hiring people remotely as well? 
I have individuals that are in both teams right now. The, the individuals I manage are based out of offices. They would have physically been in offices and were in them before uh, the pandemic started. But I am seeing more flexibility around where we hire individuals, where we want to really focus. Are, are we setting individuals up for success, right? Because you have to consider like, what are their future opportunities for progression? What types of skills are you specifically hiring for? I am seeing a bit more flexibility, but there is more of a focus in being in specifically an office location, if not not directly in that office. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of folks I know, especially the millennials, I guess, in their 20s, up and left to rural areas where they can, you know, live much more comfortably. It will be fascinating to see, you know, come a few months from now, whether, you know, which companies want people back in the office versus the ones that don't. I'm an in-office person, just having seen both sides of that through the course of my life. I, I just feel you have a better culture, you have better learning opportunities, better growth opportunities, and so on. But I guess we shall we shall all see how the, our executive leaders decide to, to take things. I think there's benefits to both, right, Jeremy? And, and again, I'll say this is my third time saying it in this call, but there's power and choice. And I was going to say, there's also some learning from what happened with Melissa Mayer at uh, Yahoo, right? That they were external and they did a switcheroo to internal and, you know, they had some friction over that. So I think the industry, though, learned, you know, took some lessons on how to do that correctly. I think I'm throwing you a softball. If people want to get in touch with you, learn more about you and the uh, company you work for, how should they get in touch with you? Hmm, I wonder how they might do that. So so please reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's definitely a way to do so. I would love to, to hear from uh, individuals. You'll see in, in my bio, which those that um, have LinkedIn profiles, I think hopefully everyone that listens to this does, but there's an opportunity uh, for you in your profile to say like what you're about. And you'll see in my profile that what's really near and dear to me is being about contribution, right? And so contributing to others, but also letting others contribute to me. So more than happy to connect with individuals, uh, talk with them about sales or my business school journey, et cetera. So thanks for reaching out in advance on LinkedIn. Yeah. Thanks for your wisdom today, Aaron. Thank you. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.